knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Oh, here we go, boys. that sound. This is a good one. Welcome everybody to the Full Scale Outdoors Podcast. I'm your host Dale Lukeville. Welcome to this week's Weekend Recap and Rant. That's just kind of a couple week recap that I didn't do one last week. Um, where I was at when I usually record these, I didn't have any um, reliable internet to get it up. So, sorry, that's my excuse. Just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> uh, before I get into it, don't forget, uh, if you have a beard, take care of your beard. I'm going to keep this one short. Um, not the beard, I just mean the, the, uh, the ad here. Uh, go to thebeardstruggle.com. They have awesome products. I love it. Uh, works great on my beard. I'm sure it will on yours. So, thebeardstruggle.com. At checkout, use code FULLSCALE15, save yourself 15%. All right, let's get to the weekend recap and rant. So, bass fishing, that's what I'm recapping. Absolutely, the season actually opened up, catch and release season in Minnesota, along with the uh, regular opener. And actually, let's see, boy, two weeks ago, my memory just not what it what it used to be. <laughs> uh, I went to Chisago Lake, yes, and it was quite interesting because, um, no, I take that back. I am a liar. Sorry. We went to a lake uh, south because it was the opener. I was assuming uh, the northern lakes would kind of be a shit show with all the people going uh, for walleye and pike and probably bass too, but um, those lakes are a little more you know, I don't know, popular for whatever reason. People just kind of gravitate north when they think fishing opener. So I'm like, you know what? Let's buck the trends. Let's go south to a lake that um, we knew had some pretty good bass in it, and we'll go check that out. Water level or water was still pretty cold. Um, I think it was right around 55 degrees, something like that, 55, 56. And uh, we never really found, I don't know, I guess we did get on a little bit of a pattern, but no, like, good schools. Like, they were super spread out, and uh, we're getting them on swim jigs, and that was pretty fun. That's one of my favorite ways of catching them. And then we did kind of, but we were catching, like, 
little bucks that were just cruising the the shallows. Um, but we did try a little bit deeper over some weeds, and I don't think I caught anything, but Joel hooked into a decent one. He he missed a real big one. I mean, uh, a real big one. He thought it was a pike because he saw all he saw was a long fish, and I don't know if that's he didn't play it like it was a bass, and he was already writing it off that it was a pike. Uh, but sorry, Joel, that was a bass, and it was a big bass. Uh, it was probably all of five pounds. The one he caught was like. Well, it was over three for sure. So, I mean, that was a good one too. But, yeah, that other one was that was a hog. And we got those on um, jerk baits, which is, you know, seemed to be the right temperature to, to give that a shot. But one of the more interesting things is towards the end of the day, um, well, the wind really started to kick up, and that kind of sucked. But we actually started seeing, like, we were going through this shallow area, and I'm looking in the water, and I'm like, man, these look like old beds. Or actually, they didn't look like old beds, but in my brain, I was like, this is way too early for beds. So my logic was kicking in and going, oh, these must be old beds, or they just look like beds, you know, it's a clear spot or something. And we keep going, we keep going. Sure enough, they're beds. There's fish on beds, and there was one really good one on a bed, and we, man, did we try, try, try. Uh, she knows that debate a couple times, but never uh, fully committed to it. Um, but it, the wind, you know, bow control, it kept we kept getting too close to the beds, and they're really spooky. But I, it's just weird how they can be in like all stages, and I feel like that's crazy early for there to be beds. It's the only spot in the lake we found beds. Um, I think it was on the west side, so I suppose it gets a fair amount of sunshine there. But surface temp wasn't really any warmer if anything it was a touch cooler than we had found in other parts of the lake but uh they were definitely on beds but just in that one small spot so it was kind of that was kind of weird and then uh then i did check out um shisago and uh kind of found similar stuff i don't know not really we went pan fishing. That's what we did. Um, lying again. Oh, was that the weekend before? Man, does my memory suck. Um, did I recap the panfish one? I don't know. We went in. We found some panfish. Ate some panfish. It was good. How about that? There's <laughs> there's that review. Good Lord. I need to start making notes. Two weeks is way too long for me to remember stuff. But this past weekend, um, I took out Friday. I took my sister out and her two kids, my nephews, Otto and Finn, and I got them on some panfish and, um, you know, zoomed into where we had left the panfish before and they weren't there. I mean, they just, they weren't there, but everything had changed. The lily pads had come up and I slid out a little bit deeper. Didn't really find them there. So just, we went on the hunt and eventually we did find some in this back bay. There was just huge schools of them right near the surface of course they were super super skittish well it didn't help it was a really nice day weather-wise i mean good day for the kids to be out but not the greatest of fishing days really high sky lots of sun not much wind at all so and the visibility the clarity on the lake right now is like as clean as i've ever seen it and it's that's not helping i mean it's really hard to get close to those fish but again we did kind of put in um 
we did find a pattern that was working like really shallow um, where they couldn't get in because the water levels are also up on this lake. So they're up into like these little brushy trees and you needed to get to a spot where you almost hurt. Now you're not hurting the fish because they're already there, but you wanted like a hard wall, whether it's a real thick line of, of cattails or shore even. And so we kind of stuck to that, and we started catching a few more fish, starting to put some in the box because uh, they really wanted some to eat. And uh, we got enough to eat. And, of course, as the sun got below the trees, uh, then they kind of picked up because that visibility dropped a little bit, and they weren't so skittish. And I think that that helped a lot. So, yeah, we put a few crappies and bluegills in the live well to bring home to eat. And I did notice there were – there were some beds. The bass were starting to make some beds. Not a lot. They were just, like, really just getting started. A lot of bucks roaming around um, super shallow, eating uh, bluegills. Uh, one of the ones I caught actually had a bluegill tail sticking out of its throat. So that's yeah, pretty good confirmation of that's what they're eating. So matching, matching the hatch. And I caught um, some on swim jigs, caught some on chatterbaits. Um, did I catch anything else? No, I think that's pretty much all I caught them on. I tried, I didn't try jerkbait and I didn't try a crankbait. Um, but when I got the ones that were really shallow, and I caught fish everywhere from, you know, less than a foot of water to 10 feet. So they're kind of all over the depth too. But, you know, when I would see them chasing or I'd see a swirl and I would get them on a chatterbait or a swim jig, and when it was super, super shallow, I thought, well, I'm going to throw a weightless Senko. That's usually money. But I got, I think I got bit one time on the Senko and then didn't land it. So I was actually kind of disappointed because I actually enjoy fishing a Senko. Joel hates it, but uh, I actually like it. And uh, they just, they weren't taking it. So you got to go with, you got to go with what works, man. That's just, that's just how it is. And then yesterday it just rained rained all stinking day so uh i took the day we made some uh i made some bread some sourdough bread and uh it was cold windy rainy so it's a good day to get a stew going so i grabbed some uh, venison from the deer i shot this fall and uh put together a nice stew the house smelled amazing and so that was great. And then just before I sat down to record this today, I got out for just a little bit to stomp around the woods because it's uh, morel season uh, for sure. It's been really dry. Like the rain we got, we needed. I don't know that we needed it all at once because some places got like three inches or more and the rivers are way up. But the soil was really dry, which does not help the mushroom situation out. But I did find a handful of morels today, some more pheasant backs and dried saddles. Um, so that was good. And the ones I found were pretty good sized already. So they'd been up for a while, even before we got the rain, obviously. And a couple of them I found started to get that really burnt brown, almost like they were, well, not almost, they were drying out before we got this rain. So much needed. Got a bunch of rain, soaked everything. Now the next few days are supposed to really warm up this week. Midweek, midweek supposed to get into the 80s. So here in Minnesota, boy, it's the next couple weeks for mushroom hunting is going to be prime time. It's uh, they're really going to start growing. So if you've if you've been out and you've checked some tried and true spots and you haven't found anything, give it a week and go check it again. I would not be surprised if you start 
seeing them in those spots because that combination of the moisture and the heat is uh, it's going to kick it in high gear uh, for sure. All right, there's your recap. Uh, rant, I feel like I ranted about this already, but I'm going to go ahead and touch on it again. If if I did, sorry, I'll probably be repeating myself, um, but it's still a hotbed issue on the social medias, which is why I'm going to bring it up. And here in Minnesota, um, the DNR is asking people to take like a poll. Um, they want to, they're looking at taking a few lakes and putting a bluegill slot limit and man you read some of the comments and people definitely have strong opinions about this one um you know on the surface i'm i'm definitely okay with it i think we do need to protect those bigger bluegills um but we do have to keep in mind that sunfish are you know they're prey species so like they reproduce very well so it's not like we need, you know, and I don't know if lowering the daily limit is the answer because I feel like I'd rather people take out more smaller fish than just less overall of any size. I feel like there should be a, I'd really like to get like a, a fisheries biologist on here to talk about this so I can actually get some real science. But my gut tells me, that if we just do selective harvest, you know, if you catch a 10-incher, let it go. A 9.5 even, let it go. I mean, personally, that's basically what I do. I mean, unless it's tournament day and I have to keep it. But, um, you know, it's not going to happen that often. But that those are the big fish that you need to protect. Um, man, I'd even straight-up 9-inch even. I mean, a 9-inch gill is a really good gill. And, you know... I guess keep some of those, but let some of them go. Uh, maybe if they're going to do, I don't know, then you get kind of convoluted and too uh, detailed rules. But I, I guess where I was going with that is like maybe have only, you know, like a normal slot. You have, let's just say in walleyes, you know, you can have 17, 24 inches or whatever with one over 24. So you can maybe do something like that uh, trophy-wise if somebody wanted. You know, you could definitely do – like keep the limit as is up to nine inches from nine to 10. You can keep three and then one over 10, something like that. Cause then you're, you know, you're definitely protecting the real big ones, you know, and if you want one for the wall, that's cool. Totally understand that. And then, you know, a couple of the better ones that are over nine, which I'd personally just like to see put back, but you know, limited harvest, I don't think it's going to really hurt it that much. Um, but ultimately, the, I guess the rant part, not really rant, but I, f I feel like we can just voluntarily do that. I mean, I know not everybody's going to be on board with it, but, you know, bass anglers took it upon themselves way back in the day to just start releasing everything. Musky fishermen did the same thing. And, you know, you don't necessarily have to make a law. I mean, I know some people aren't going to do it, and that's and, and maybe the vast majority of them aren't going to do it. But I guess it's starting the conversation of, of getting that narrative, for as much as I hate using that term, um, getting that going and get, keeping that discussion going and that conversation and just passing on those ethics or, you know, that let's protect these big fish. I think a lot of people, at least a lot of people I know are, they already do it. So 
I don't think it's too big of a stretch to to say we just keep going up that grassroots kind of, you know, spread the word. And um, I think some some test lakes are fine. Uh, and I know some people are like, ah, just make it statewide, which again I would be fine with. But I do think the smart play is kind of what the DNR is doing, and that is let's just pick a couple lakes, see how it goes. If we see a marked improvement then expand it to some other lakes or statewide or, or regions like they, the new pike regulations. There's three different pike zones. Um, and I know the, the regulations can get complicated, and it's nice to keep them simple. But, you know, Minnesota is a very tall state, and it, we have a lot of different types of lakes. And you can't just, you know, one management plan isn't good for all lakes. You know, you have to... You almost have to go lake by lake, at least region by region, you know. So, I don't know. Like I said, people get fired up about it. I'm not going to pull it up and read the comments because most of them are just stupid anyways. But um, people get fired up. And a lot, of, a lot of people give the DNR a lot of shit, you know, do nothing right and all that nonsense. But um, they keep in mind, people. That the DNR, they're not doing this to write tickets. They're not. They they want you to have a better experience. They're they're trying. These are, these are you and me that hold these jobs. I mean, they're just they're just people. I mean, it's easy to demonize them as this government entity that's trying to screw you, and they don't want you to do this. They don't want you to do that. That that that's not true at all. If you stop recreating in the outdoors, they're going to get less money to for their job and maybe their job gets eliminated. So that's the last thing they want is for you to quit, quit fishing. So they want you to not only keep fishing, they want you to have a good time. They are constantly trying to improve it and make it better. Um, so keep that in mind and maybe this works. Maybe it doesn't. I have a feeling it's going to work. Um, it's kind of logic, but Oh, for one, I do want to add this for one thing that people are saying, I wish they, they kind of take it to the extreme. They actually want to protect fish during the spawn, which panfish spawn multiple times. So I don't know how you're going to do that. Plus, they don't spawn until way later, and you're not going to – I mean, the science behind that, yes, they, they get kind of um, a little more vulnerable and easy to catch for that short window of time when, when they're spawning, but – I have read some reports with other things like bass and similar fish where it doesn't really matter what time of year you take that fish out of that lake, it's never going to spawn again. So whether it's actively spawning or it was going to spawn two weeks ago or it spawned and you killed it two weeks after it spawned, it's still not going to spawn the following spawn the following spring. So it's, it just doesn't, it doesn't matter really. You, no matter when you take a fish out of the lake, it's not going to spawn again. That's, you know, it's it's as easy as that. So I definitely don't think closing it during the spawn makes any sense because, for one, the calendar year that you would have to do that would have to be so broad because it's so weather dependent. I mean, you basically have to take a whole month of fishing off to, to protect the panfish, and I just, that's, I don't think that's the right answer. I definitely don't think the right answer. Let's try these lakes, see how it goes. Um, so if that poll comes across on your social media, I'm um, asking everybody to go ahead and, and take that poll and put your comments in there, whatever they might be. I'm not telling you how to vote. Just we'll get 
so the DNR has a baseline of, of where people are at on it. Uh, but I would urge you to at least think about um, how much better the panfish fishing could be in the state if we start doing a selective harvest. I think it would go a long way. Everybody likes to catch big gills. Everybody does. When I was out with the boys, we had caught a couple of real nice hybrids. I mean, they were real nice. They didn't crack that, like, I don't think they were over nine, but they were right there. I mean, they're just so thick. You know, those pumpkin seed bluegill hybrids, huge shoulders, beautiful fish. Um, man, I just, they're aggressive. I love catching those things. And the bigger, the better. And the more and bigger, even better er yet. There, how's that for some great English? All right, there it is, everybody. That is your weekend recap and rant. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Full Scale Outdoors podcast. I appreciate it. As usual, uh, share it. That's the most important thing to do. Also, uh, rate it and leave a review. It's another great way. You know, with the iTunes algorithms, that's kind of helps other people find it. Uh, you can follow me on every platform. Uh, podcast platform uh, but also check out waypoint outdoor collective you're gonna get a bunch more outdoor content there and thebeardstruggle.com take care of that beard you vikings so um, yeah go to beardstruggle.com thebeardstruggle.com full scale 15 at checkout save yourself 15 percent all right everybody that's it that's all i got we will uh, talk to you later whatever your passion pursue that full scale Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors, every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. A life that has the stories to back it, a life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby, 6-8 Western. A mule there, baby, right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.